Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, featuring today's top directors sharing behind-the-scenes stories of their latest films and insights into the craft of directing. Please take a second to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Jonathan Levine's new romantic comedy, Longshot. The film tells the story of Fred, a free-spirited journalist who unexpectedly reunites with his childhood crush, Charlotte, now one of the most influential women in the world. After Fred is hired to be a speechwriter on Charlotte's presidential campaign, sparks fly and their chemistry leads to a romance, even though on the surface the two have nothing in common. In addition to Longshot, Mr. Levine's credits include the feature films Snatched, The Night Before, Warm Bodies, 50-50, The Wackness, and All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, the pilots for the series I'm Dying Up Here and Rush, and episodes of the series The Screen Junkies Show and How to Make It in America. Following a recent screening of the film at the Harmony Gold Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. Levine spoke with director Ruben Fleischer about filming Longshot. During their conversation, they discuss how Mr. Levine came to direct the film, his collaboration with Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron to enrich the material, and his thoughts on integrating improvisation without being indulgent. I hope everybody enjoyed this movie as much as I did. I just, uh, yeah. Thank you. I mean, uh, I saw it like a week ago and I've just been telling everyone all week, like just, it's the funniest movie I've seen in such a long time and just, uh, another thing I love it, about it is just how beautifully shot it is. Like, I think your filmmaking is on full display in this film, which is rare in a comedy, where you usually just have a bunch of cameras set up for improv. And But there's such a craft to this film that I, I just, uh, you know, from whether it's the drug trip se- sequence or various other things throughout, it's just, you know, your talent is on display, and I, I'm, Thank I'm you. such a fan. I'll just I, listen to this. <laughs> Thanks, man. And I'm just so impressed. And it evokes for me, like, some of my favorite romantic comedies, whether it's Cameron Crowe or Harry Met Sally or Say Anything, like, it's just one of those, like, um, like classic romantic comedies, of which I don't think we've had a really great one in a long time. So um, we'll start into the just kind of, like, uh, how this project came to be, because... You know, with all due respect, this is a script that was around for a, a long time. It was time. around for a long time. And I was just curious how you came aboard it and and how you decided to make it relevant. You know, obviously there's so much that relates to the current political yeah. climate, like how you got involved. Yeah, well, I mean, I first read it in like 2000. I, I was making Warm Bodies, so I think it was like 2011, 2012. Um, and... I was not ready to make it. I don't. I don't know. There was just. I was already doing what I thought was a romantic comedy um, with zombies, and then I, um, and then I. But I couldn't get it out of my head. And they went. It was Seth was playing Fred, and they didn't have um, Charlotte yet. And then I guess they went and got Charlize, and then I was like, oh, I should probably do this. You know, <laughs> I think they'd probably offered it to many people in the in the interim. But um, I was making the night before with these guys, and I was like. Oh, Charlize is doing that movie? Like, that sounds like a really great... Just once the two of them together were in it, it sort of clicked for me as something that could be really um, transcendent. And so then I came on board to do it, and then, like, fucking Trump got elected president, which ruined the whole fucking thing for us. So we had to... uh, 
Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was made everything difficult for everyone's lives. But, um, then we had to, um, change it a lot because it, it was, you know, it was a wonderful script, but it was for, you know, it was like the president was like this kind of like strong jawed guy who really just wanted like what was best for America. And I mean, it's just seemed kind of quaint and silly when Trump was president. So we had to redo a lot of stuff. Odenkirk uh, was such a pleasant surprise, like seeing him in that role and uh, so, so funny. So, uh, so it sounds like Charlize was involved before you got Yeah. Involved. And she's a producer. So it was like her production company, her as a producer, Seth's production company, Seth as a producer. Because, I mean, for me, that was like the joy of this film was just seeing this, uh, obviously, Academy Award winning actress who seen do action and drama and everything. But I just never could have imagined just how funny she is. Yeah. I mean, she had done, I, I kind of knew she would be funny because when you meet her, she's really funny. Um, and she kind of just like messes with you and, and, and is incredibly charming and and has comedic timing and and then i sort of did a little bit of a deep dive into like she's done like a few comedy things she'd done a between two ferns with zach galifianakis that was really funny she'd done a little run on arrested development that was really funny um she was in the uh million ways to die in the west and and was really funny so i mean i knew she could do it i I knew she could do it anyway but um it was nice to like be able to see that side of her because it just was not something i was fully aware of yeah i'm sure for audiences it must be really exciting as it was for myself to see her in in this new light because she's i mean seth rogan is obviously one of the funniest people there is but i felt like she just owned this movie yeah she it's incredibly impressive the way she's able to become a comedian i mean it's it's like some of the stuff that she's doing in that Molly sequence is like, you know, it's, it's like something that it was like Kristen Wiig or, you know, Lucille Ball. I don't know. It was just like, I was like, Oh, you can do anything. (laughs) I was telling Ruben, she, um, had us over to dinner last night. Um, and also cooked like dinner for me and Seth and Evan. And like, I never even could tell she was cooking. Like, and there were no, there were no, like there was no staff and there was no, and she just made this amazing meal. So, like, it's just not fair. I don't know what. <laughs> um, so this is your third collaboration with Seth Rogen. Yep. Do you want to talk a little bit about just, like, you mentioned even that you had just been working with him when this kind of came about. Yep. But what what is that dynamic like with, I mean, obviously producer, writer, direct, uh, uh, sorry, actor, and then how you guys have evolved in yeah. your relationship over the course of these three films. I mean, and, and he is a director too, which is, which is like not, not on the movies that I direct, but <laughs> he is a director. So I don't know how, how you like to work, but like, I actually like to use that. <laughs> you know, I like to turn to someone else who has really good taste on set and who understands coverage and who understands like how a movie is put together and use them to get feedback. Um, so with Seth, like I would always bring him into like the collaborative process, but I mean, you know, from the very beginning, he's such an incredible writer that he and I are like developing the script very in a very hands-on way from the very beginning. And then we're also, you know, there's also lots of writers on set who are writing jokes. Um, and there's, you know, lots of other people we're collaborating with who are helping make the script what it is, but, but it's always this very fluid thing. And, that's what I love about working with him is that he kind of creates this infrastructure of like relentlessly trying to make things better all the time, all the time. And someday we'll show up on set and he'll just be like, I don't think this scene is really working. 
and we'll literally rewrite the scene like in real time. Um, and it's like, it's kind of like, it's sometimes it's frustrating, you know? Um, but it's never, I always know it's going to be better. So it's just frustrating in that way. You're like, ah, Jesus, I got to do all this work, but I know it's going to be better, but you know, it's going to be better. So, um, it's just great having him there and Evan too, as like extra set of eyes, you know, someone else. I mean, my script supervisor on this movie and who also did warm bodies with me is also someone whose taste I really trust. So I often will be like, do I have it? Do you guys think I have it? I don't know. Do you do that? Or am I just a, yeah, I mean, I gotta say, I think it takes a lot of confidence to, to do that. Like a lot of people would be insecure to, represent like they don't know all the answers that yeah. the, you know and and i i i more from your school where i feel like i'm always soliciting other opinions because you know ultimately i don't know everything yeah. and so it's like if you have people you trust and that they're a part of the creative process uh i think it's great to to welcome that feedback yeah i like it but then there's like a, sometimes where then it'll like someone will give me feedback and I'll just be like, I'm the fucking director. Don't, what do you tell Like, I'll just have an arbitrary weird line where I, I'll just get my ego will get bruised sometimes. It's very, it's, it's actually, that's, that's why it's hard because when you have that blurry line, you're, you're not always sure when to exactly assert yourself or when you're, you know, bringing in a collaborative thing. But I mean, luckily when you have great collaborators, it, it seems to work out. And so you guys are rewriting and rewriting throughout, the shooting process? Yeah, like we'll rewrite, I mean, we'll rewrite the whole script two months out. Um, just, that seems like something that we've done on every movie. Um, and it's just to make sure, I mean, a lot of it stays the same, of course, but you're you're always questioning everything. It's just to make sure, like you're stress testing the whole script. Um, and then on set, and then it, like the week before, we won't really rehearse, but like Charlize will come in and we'll go through each scene and she'll say, oh, this reminds me of something that happened to me, and we'll put it in the script, and like it'll just grow that way. And by the time, after all that's done, it's like 145 pages, but we're shooting it. And then on the day, yeah, we'll change stuff. I mean, the scene where they first kiss, we changed in real time. Wow. Yeah, and it and it's kind of one of my it favorite works, scenes. Yeah, it works yeah. so well. Me too. And uh, are you guys, I'm sure, also improvising a ton in addition to all the rewriting? Yeah, like everyone kind of has the ability to and, and opportunity to improvise. I think usually we try to do the first take pretty much by the book, but sometimes we even forget to do that. Um, on this movie, we did, on the night before, I did it so much that I got really sick of it, and I found myself just kind of like <coughs> sitting for hours at a time just watching two funny people like make jokes back and forth that kind of if I really stop to think about it, we're not sort of organic to the story and we're not really going to push the story forward and probably, unless they were like A-plus jokes, not going to make it into the movie. So I tried to like hem it in a little bit on this movie and I also tried to, I mean, the script was very strong from the very beginning, so there wasn't a lot of opportunity to go like crazy off the rails with it. Um, but yeah, like a lot of the best jokes are improvised. Seth is, you can't, like stopping Seth from improvising is would be a very dumb thing to do. <laughs> um, and may I just ask, like, how many days oh, no. you had for this? 43 and days. I, this 43? Is, yeah. And and uh, on average, like, how many takes do you guys do, do you think, for each setup? I mean, I'm. it's two cameras. I'm probably doing, like, four or five takes. And I'm probably doing a lot of coverage. And I want to try to do less coverage in the future. 
It, it felt like there was many design shots. There were design right. shots. So what I tried to do was like land them in coverage so I could improvise stuff and have two cameras and be able to cut, but have like one cool shot per sequence. I know I remember at film school, um, Anthony Mangella came, Anthony Mangella, maybe Anthony Mangella. I don't know. It sounds fancier. Um, came and told us that you should always try to put your coolest shot in the middle of a scene because if you have it at the beginning or the end, you might cut it. I didn't do that, but I remember <laughs> I remember that advice. <laughs> but we tried to have like one kind of cool thing per scene. Right. Um, you know, music has always been such a big part of all of your films, and I feel like, you know, there's some of the most memorable moments in this movie are tied uh, to music. We happen to both work with the same music okay, supervisor, yeah. but I feel like a lot of this originates from you. Uh, you want to talk about Boys to Men and Roxette and just kind of the soundtrack of this film? Yeah, I mean, Boys to Men was just, we got lucky. You know, we wanted someone who meant something to them as kids. And we, you know, I mean, Boys to Men, they do a residency in, in Vegas, but I think they're like this weird, for the amount of hits they have, they're like, cred in the music industry is not commensurate to it. Like, they're so, they've, they're like, the Beatles, like they have a hundred hits. Um, so we just got lucky. Like they were, they happened to be available. They like sets movies and they were around. So we got them. Um, and then with, it must've been love. That was just, that was Seth's idea. I mean, that, that's the cool thing about working with contemporaries like Seth and Charlize and I are all kind of the same age. We all have kind of the same pop culture references. And so, yeah, Seth, Seth was the one who said it must've been love. I wanted Rush Rush by Paul Abdul. <laughs> But they, um, but we played It Must Have Been Love on the day, and like Charlize really liked it. We just, we were literally, we, we hadn't cleared any of this shit. And we just, you know, and so Gabe, of course, when I texted him, I was like, you gotta get Roxette, because like it's in the movie now. He wasn't super psyched. <laughs> they don't like, music supervisors don't like uh, having to clear songs based on you already having put the song in the movie. <laughs> um, uh, Going back to improv real quick, I was just curious too, like in the editing room when you do just have such of an abundance of uh, improv, are you, how do you determine, are you watching all the takes? Are, you t are there hero jokes that you know you love? Are you relying on an audience's feedback? Like, I, it's kind of like you have an abundance of riches. So how- Yeah, it's weird. No, I can't watch dailies. I mean, I, I do late in the process when I don't feel like I, something's working after months and months, but I usually let the editors watch the dailies and construct the scene. And if there's a joke I love, I'll remember it. Usually I have a pretty good memory for that stuff. So I'll be like, why didn't you use that? But I won't start like rifling through dailies until pretty late in the process. And it's only when I don't know what I have um, or, or when I'm not happy with where the scene is after months of doing it. Um, it's like pulling teeth. I'm like, all right, I guess we got to watch all the dailies today. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't know why. I used to do it all the time. I, I actually am in the same boat. Like, uh, same for me. Do you, do you have an editor that you work with regularly so that you trust that they're pulling the right stuff? Or was there, uh, there was two editors on this movie? Yeah. And so, it, so had you worked with either of them before? I had worked with Melissa before. Melissa had cut Snatched for me um, with Zine Baker. And then um, Evan was someone who Seth and Evan suggested. He had, he had cut the interview and he'd done some, like, I can't remember what else he had done. He had done some assistant editing on some Tarantino movies. I mean, he's, he, they're both just wonderful editors and they never really worked at the same time um, because Melissa 
was on from the beginning and then we went on hiatus um just because we were gonna we knew we were gonna reshoot and they wanted to save money so they just shut us down and then we um and then melissa got another job so i brought evan in but um no i mean I think that what I trust is when I see the scene and, and it works. You know, if I if I like the scene and I think it's funny, and usually the scene is, it's not a, really about finding the jokes. It's just about making the scene shorter. Um, usually, I've been lucky enough that these editors kind of know what they're doing and the scene is is working. And then it's just about trimming it down. Um, but no, I mean I'm pretty like I think editing is like the one place that I'm actually pretty good. Um, so I also can speak an editor language, like I understand how the computer works and like I just kinda, I feel like I can, like I can't tell a DP what's wrong with, I can say if I don't like the way something looks, but I can't really, and I won't probably rarely say that, but like with an editor I think I have a, I can speak the editorial language so I can usually, even if I'm not getting what I want, I can communicate in that way and, and get there. Um, speaking of DP, had you worked with this DP before? No. And what was the the collaboration? I loved him. He's crazy. He's a crazy uh, Montreal guy, and he worked with Jean Marc Vallée. He, uh, my friend Bruna Papandrea, who produced Warm Bodies, was like, "You have to hire this DP. You're shooting in Montreal. You have to hire this DP." He was a Montreal local, um, and I was like, "Why? What's his?" Deal? She was like, "Just shut up and hire the DP. Like he's great." And I was like, "Okay, cool," because he shot Big Little Lies with her, um, and when he worked with Jean Marc Vallée. He's not allowed to use lights. I guess Jean-Marc Vallée says don't use lights, so he it's all practicals or I don't know. I don't know how he does it. But it was that kind of like, A, that kind of taste, you know, that's like it's not going to be like a brightly lit, flat comedy. Um, and B, like the, the ingenuity of like figuring out how to do something really fast and not use lights. Um, we let him use lights, of course. But like it was that kind of, sort of mentality that I that I thought really suited him um, to, to shoot this. And, and the other thing is he's like, he's, you know, he's um, got a real kind of passion for cinema and like he loves comedy, but he also loves just movies in general. So when you're working with someone like that, your reference points are like movies that you're aspiring to be that are kind of like um, really great movies and not just movies that are like the movie you're making in a way, you know what I mean? So like your 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 the collection of your references actually elevates the movie. So it was like Tootsie or um Say Anything or Broadcast News, like all these movies that like we really, really wanted to be as good as, but like, you know, we're also making like a silly comedy. So it's not like we don't think we're in the same category as those movies, but still I think the cumulative effect of having these sort of sophisticated references elevates the material. That's awesome. Um, I was also uh, really impressed by just the locations in this film, and I think I read that you guys shot in Montreal, but was there, were you in South America or something? Yeah, we also went to Cartagena, um, which was a beautiful place. Um, they, it looks like they shot Gemini Man there because in the trailer there's stuff I recognize from where we shot. But like we, yeah, we were in Cartagena for like three or four days. But that's it because it looks like you literally went all over the world. Yeah, there was a lot of CG. I mean, like not like super robust, expensive CG, but there was a lot of like, like the Swedish palace was, was just a place outside of Montreal, but we kind of used set extension to, to make it look more like Sweden. Um, and yeah, just clever kind of, we, we really 
picked our spots um, and were clever about the time of day we were shooting things, what direction we were looking in. Um, and yeah, I think that's that helps. For, for me, that uh, outfit that Seth Rogen wears in that Swedish uh, sequence, like as soon as I saw him, I mean, it, it just made me laugh so hard. And I just thought that it, that sequence was incredible. Uh, I was curious, actually, how do you arrive? How did you arrive at that look? Were there <laughs> a lot of lot? Like, did you go through yeah. the, like seven different incredibly ridiculous outfits, like, or like, was that the one and you just knew it? Like, how'd you land on that one? Because it just hits, and then when he takes off the jacket, and you get the next. It, just it was so that that part was great. I think it was just it was written into like Liz Hannah wrote that into the script. That also the joke that when he took it off, there were like ruffles, and like that was all written into the script. Um, so I don't remember like with jokes like that. Um, that's like a pure collaboration between me and Seth. Like that is like like a fall, for example. Like stuff that's like pure comedy, which is not my strongest suit, like like physical comedy or like stuff like that, I kind of lean on him a little bit for. So like when he fell down the stairs and like ran, like, f like instead of falling backwards, which is what I would have done, Seth was like, just started pulling up like YouTube videos of people falling and we and was like, that's funny. <laughs> And so, and it was like just a totally different way. And it takes a joke that's like a pretty dumb joke and makes it semi, it just makes it a new version of a joke. Like it's a new thing that you haven't seen before. So with the Swedish suit, um, I think that we had a, we have a wonderful costume designer named Mary Vogt. And she, um, I think she kind of got it right away. It's not like, it's, it's inspired by traditional Swedish suits. And I looked at a bunch of traditional Swedish suits, but then she kind of elaborated on it. And then I think I probably showed it to Seth and he took it to even one level further. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, what was there any days that you look back on the shoot that were just like the worst days, or any days that were the best days? Do you have any memory? I mean, well, like, what was the most challenging? Was it the schedule, or was it? Yeah, was I think it's always time. You know, it's always like. Um, I mean, there was the the night in Sweden. You know, that was in Montreal, and it was like we were a few miles outside of uh, Montreal. It was very very cold, and like Charlie's gets cold easily so we had like a whole elaborate like heat lamp situation and and that's always a bummer when you when you know your actor is is deeply unhappy to be doing it you know it's just and and I love her so I just like didn't want to put her in that situation for too long that's I would never like if I read a script and it's like first page is like exterior Antarctica I'm like I'm not doing this fucking movie I don't want to go it's too cold um, but anyway, so that was kind of a challenging day. The day with Boys to Men was challenging just because it was time and figuring out how much time did I need to shoot them and how much time did I need to... We also were doing the stunt that day. It, it, it really is all time management and kind of trying to, trying to figure out how not to let the actors know how stressed out you are about time. I feel like I spend a lot of my on-set day just being like, yeah, everything's great. And I know I'm like six shots behind and it freaks me out. Um... But yeah, and then best days, like there were so many great days. It was like one of the, the my favorite movies to shoot because I just love the people and we were really clicking and I just loved seeing them every day. And I just watching the two of them on screen together was always just like such a joy for me. So there were a lot of wonderful days. I mean, the last day we were like in Colombia on like, we all had like, I mean, this has nothing to do with the movie, but it was just kind of fun. It's like we, we were on the beach like the beach stuff is like an hour outside of Colombia of Cartagena on like you have to take like we all have this this big nautical unit where we all had to coordinate like like our boats that would go out to each one of us had our own kind of island with our own <laughs> house on it 
so like for the last three nights it'd be like you're invited to Charlize's island for her for dinner at her house it was like it was it was pretty cool I mean anytime someone says this job is hard I think about that and it's Uh, it's pretty fun as far as the time management is there an AD that you've worked with repeatedly that you or was this a new experience and how do you how do you manage that relationship um I am I am like really on top of that stuff like I have a shot list I have like an Excel document where I will do like a shot list and I have like different um, columns for like the shot, the day, whatever. And so I will know, it's not storyboards, although I will do that, but um, it's like just the type of shot I need and like, you know, usually I throw it away, but it's just something in case I go crazy on the day and forget everything I wanted to do. It's like, it's just a way for me to recognize like, okay, day three, I have 14 setups and so I want to be on the fifth setup by, you know, the hour two or whatever. But or the first setup is like really long wanner, and so I wanted that. I'll give myself two hours. Like I kind of ad. That, that's what I was gonna just ask. It sounds like you're ading yourself almost. A little bit, but like not really, because when you have a good ad, it just there's so much more to it. But I do know how long things take by this point, as far as just the actual shots. I don't know, you know, I can't direct background. I can't, like, and all the stuff right, that a great AD does. Um, but I think I do make it easier on them in that way um, because I am very cognizant of time all the time. Um, how do you, how do you kind of, you know, with this movie now out there in the world uh, and kind of think about next project, how do you, how, like, whether it was as it relates to this or any of the great movies you've made, how do you do you have an agenda with what you're trying to make or how do you land on your projects? Yeah, I mean, it's I think it is always evolving, you know, like because there's times where you can't do the stuff that you want to do. Right. Because just like the industry is not letting you do it. Um, there's times when, you know, I think the last few were all sort of reactions to the one before in a weird way, like um and not in a good way, I think they were just, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i so proud of this movie, um, but this movie was like me just being like, I wanna work with these guys. Um, but like, and, and I'm, I, I'm proud of all the movies, but like like the, the Amy Schumer movie I, I did was a reaction to, well, I think the movie before that was not gonna, I, I couldn't, I could feel the studio wasn't supporting it. I was like, all right, I should try to do like a commercial movie, you know? And uh, I think what I learned is that that's not like a good reason to, to do a movie. Um, and so I think now I'm just going to sort of reset because I have something I really like and I have it, you know, I'm happy to have it be like the top of my IMDb page and like whatever. And, and so I'm going to just kind of sit back and really think about what I want to do next and, and, and have that luxury, um, because I've done three movies in a, in a, in in like four years and I, I got, I put, put a little bit of dough aside and I don't have to like the financial imperative to do it is not there. So but I mean, in the past, it was like I did fifty-fifty because I was I wrote a movie prior to that, and I was sick of my own writing, and I really liked Will's writing. And then I did Warm Bodies right after fifty-fifty because it was like an opportunity to do kind of like something that was not what fifty-fifty was, which was like a world-building thing. So they're all kind of like I get kind of bored and then do something else. Um, but it's evolving. Do you think you'll always stay within the comedy genre? Or? No, I'm kind of sick of it. I don't know. I mean, you, 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 you do both things. Yeah, and I think I like comedy. You do? But see, that's what I'm saying. You probably like comedy because you were 
just doing something that wasn't comedy and then you did a comedy. I don't know. I, I, I always just feel like it's so related to was the last experience positive or not? And then, they, at least in my mind. And you write too. I mean, is there the possibility that you might write a movie? Yeah, I would write. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm into like doing some TV stuff now because um, you don't have to deal with it coming out. <laughs> <laughs> and like the stakes feel lower. If it sucks, no one would ever know. Just be a pilot that went away. But yeah, I'm writing some TV stuff um, and I'm excited about that too. That's great. Um, well, congratulations on thank a you. really, really amazing movie. Thank you. Thank and, you, guys. Uh, thanks to everyone for coming out to watch it and staying for the Q&A. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, you can find past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Also, if you're enjoying our show, please take a moment to rate and review us. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow cinephiles find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally. 